This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right. Now, any questions, feel free to grab a microphone. There's a mic over here also. You may want to just turn that on. Right there, right there, right there. Anybody on Zoom that wants to speak up, feel free as well. Here we go. Nachshona. Give it like one second. Give it one second to connect. Is it gone? Okay, go ahead. Fire away. When you say like the three minutes, that's a moment. Yeah. You specifically mean like as your husband's walking through the yes. house? Okay. Literally, literally, your uh, initial contact with your spouse is is usually like people just get off to like a, a, the wrong foot. They're saying the wrong thing. They're, if there is something that you want to discuss. Don't say it in the first. Don't say it in the first Don't say hour. it then, but you should say it later. Yeah. We spoke in the past that there there's a lot of things that need to be said between a husband and a wife. I have news for you. If you want to say those things and you want to actually be heard, then the best way for you to do that is when you are calm. Forget him being calm. What if you're not so good at um, at, at doing that? Like, I can't speak for anyone else, but if yeah. something's bothering me, my husband will know and he will say, like, what's bothering me? Right. As much as I try to, like, pretend I'm head. Right. Like, well, I, I, it's, I think it's, it's really, it's a skill that has to be mastered. The ability to to have a conversation where you're, your let me can I say it a little a little deeper here? I think that most people, besides being heard, they want to really be understood. Okay. So usually when you say something and you're like trying to convey something, a lot of people, I see this in, in with couples all the time, they're like, you don't understand me. You don't understand what I'm trying to say. You don't understand what I'm getting at. Now why not? You married a pretty intelligent person. Why can't they understand you? They speak the same language as you, right? So like all of a sudden you're talking and they're just like, huh? And they're looking at the ceiling and they're like, you're like, the words are flying right over your head. Like, what's going on over here? Like, I don't understand. We dated, we were engaged, we got married and all of a sudden, like the circuit breaker popped. What happened? The answer is, is that they're not listening to you because they feel attacked. They feel inadequate. He feels like, oh, here we go again. It's the same thing over and over. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not in control. You're so emotional. You're not saying something smart now. You're just like saying something emotional. So emotional, I don't have to listen to emotional. It's wrong, obviously. But they're not even hearing you. But when you say to the person, like in a very calm way, like, hey, I feel like we need to talk about this, you know? And use like, I always say, use you talk about us as a couple, like think that we need X or, you know, this was very hurtful when you did that. Whatever, you have a conversation. But it's it's really like, it's not a big deal. You the person like, oh, that's, that's wow, I didn't realize that. I, I could hear you. The minute men, I always, men turn into turtles. They fold their arms, they've crossed their legs, they like put a hood on their head. Like you just see two eyes popping out and they're just looking to see if it's safe. Is it safe? Like meaning, did you leave yet? You're still in the room? Okay, fine, I'm going to stay here. They're singing songs in their head. They're chazering Gemara. They're, they're going over spreadsheets. Like their brain is like not hearing what you're saying because they're like, you're just, you're attacking me. I had a long day also. I'm keeping in, I'm pent, I'm, I'm, I'm pent up with all of the things that I'm going through. So here you come, like, like you're holding a kitchen knife because you're dicing onions, right? And you have like blood on your apron and you're like, can we talk right now? He's like, no, I don't think this is safe to talk to you right now. Okay. Right now, it seems like a pretty dangerous situation. I think I'm going to rather stay in the car and, and, and do Dakyomi, right? So if you want to really be heard, let, let like the temperature come down where it's like really like two people who love each other. And we're able to like have a conversation. It's so, it's so possible. We say this all the time. 
that the idea of giving rebuke is a mitzvah. It's not a bad thing. Saying to somebody else, you did something wrong is, is amazing. It's a mitzvah in the Torah. But it, it, it comes on the heels of I love you, which means that it has to be given over with so much love that the person's like, oh, so you want us to be better. If you can, if you could convey that emotion, you're you're a rock star. If you could give that over, that like I just want us to be better. And I'm not attacking. It's not me versus you. It's like us. Like don't don't you want the same thing as me? Don't we have the same goals? Of course, of course, you should verbalize that. Yeah, I want us to be better, and here's how we can be better, right? And 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 by the way, take not you, but a person. If a person takes responsibility for their side of things, also is also important. And I will say also. That sometimes taking responsibility is responsibility for the fact that you allowed it to be pent up for so long, right? Sometimes you're like, oh, and I realized the reason you weren't listening to me for three weeks was because I was, I was shechting you for three weeks, right? So taking responsibility, I should have really come to you calmer. I really should have sat down with you. We should have had this conversation earlier before we let this get out of hand. And, but now let's hit the reset button and let's, let's go further. You know, like if your phone is not charging or apps are not working, so you do like a factory reset, right? So your marriage is the same thing. I mean this very seriously. Like you, you sometimes it's a soft reset and sometimes it's a factory reset where not with a different person, hopefully, like with the same person. You like reset it and you basically say, okay, we let's start again. Let's start tonight, tomorrow. Let's get up. Let's have a fresh day. We've been bickering over this thing over and over and over. 99% of the time, it's not substantive. I think that's really important also. Like if you would, if you would sort of like break it up, right. And you would say that like on uh, like a, like a big jug. And then on top of it is like a small jug. I'm going to hold this up to the camera. It's not worth anything, but like a big jug and a small jug. Right. And you say, this is our argument. So how many people would say that this is the substance and this is the reaction versus the opposite, that this is the substance and this is the reaction, right? You have to put it into context, what you're fighting over. If what you're fighting over is this and the reaction is that, so then you say to like, what's going on over here? And the answer usually is, is that you feel that there's an emotion that's not being met. I don't feel understood. I don't feel cared for. I don't feel like you, you're prioritizing me. That's really what you're trying to say. So say that. Say, I think, I think our marriage, we really need to put a little bit more time into each other. Like, when can we, when can we schedule things to like make things, you know, to make things go? Like the first thing we said, like you take the initiative. Don't sit there saying, I, I, well, I know we need to go out on a date. So I'm going to wait for him to make the date night. I hear this from women every night. I know we really need to spend time there. So I'm waiting for him to surprise me and at my office with like a bouquet of flowers. And he got me like, you know, breakfast in bed. And he said, by the way, I'm taking you out for supper tonight. And I got you an eternity band. And I wrote you a whole card and cement on the street. And I'm going to tr- take you there. I'm going to go to Brooklyn Bridge. I'm going to take pictures and reenact our whole wedding. That's not happening. So just take the initiative and say to the guy, hey, I think we could use some time together. You're free tonight? Yeah? Great. Let's go out tonight. And guess what? Your marriage will get what it needs. Oh, but it's not 100% what you need because you wanted him to take the initiative. No problem. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. I guarantee you after four or five times, he will hop that this is something that will work. Well, you could tell him also, hey, I yeah, exactly. You could. If you're a smart person, I think one of the greatest skills, I say this a million times in a marriage, is channeling. You channel it, meaning the first three, four times you initiate it. Then you say to him, hey, how about next week you plan our date night? And then on the fifth, the fifth week, he'll be like, oh, by the way, I'm planning on taking you out here and here. You'll be like, what? Yeah, because you brought this element into your marriage. If you bring an element into your marriage, it usually will stick. If you fight for the element, you're, you're talking to a person whose brain is half tied behind their back because they're on the defensive. And they're sitting there saying to themselves, like, I don't even know what you want. I really don't get it. I don't know what you're saying. 
I don't know what you're saying to me. You're saying to me that you want me to walk, like sit and look and do. I, I'm not. I'm not good at that. You know what I'm saying? Bring it into your marriage and it will stay. If you don't bring it into your marriage, you're oftentimes fighting an uphill battle for no reason. This is, these are not just like skills had to not be upset. It actually like works. If you practice anything, I guarantee you, go home tonight and think of one thing that you want your spouse to do different that he's not doing. Anything. And then say to yourself, how do I channel this into my marriage without him or her hopping? How do I do that? How do I bring this element in that the other person doesn't even hop that this is what's going on? It's not manipulation. I hear that all the time. <laughs> Why do I hear that all the time? It's, it, can I tell you a story? I, I, I hear what you're saying, but it's not manipulation. I want to tell you a story. I once, I once read, um, I once read a, a, um, it was like a study, and it was saying how there was a, a professor in school that was teaching people. How you, I forget what it's called, where the, you ring a bell and the dog, you know, the dog comes and gets a tree, and you ring the bell and the dog gets a tree. There we go. Pavlonian. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the teacher was saying, um, right. You ring a bell, the dog. Okay. So then they ring a bell and the dog was salivating. Okay. So the teacher was explaining this and the teacher was saying to the students that at the end of the semester, they're going to have, everybody is going to have to write a report on how they see this or something like that, where people sort of have a learned behavior based on, you know, outside stimulus, right. Something that goes on. There was one student who told the class that he said, listen, we're in one of these college rooms, these massive, like, you know, rooms. Every day when we're all sitting here, here's what we're going to do. As students, what does a teacher want? Teacher wants to teach. It means that the, the receptacle for a teacher is a student, right? A student's paying attention, right? Or writing notes or something like that, right? That's, that gives seatbook to, a, to, a, to a, a teacher. So th- this person said, listen, everybody, when the teacher stands on the left side of the room, everybody be very engaged. And when the teacher goes to the right side, everybody just like make pretend like you don't know what's going on. Okay. So they did this for like a few weeks. And the teacher, every time, like after a few weeks, the teacher came in, sat down, just moved to the right side of the room. Just that was it. Right. And, and then the student said, okay, now we're going to move the teacher over even more. And by the end of the semester, they had the teacher teaching in the corner and it was like a stool. And the teacher like came in and was teaching with their foot up on the stool and was like giving the whole seminar just there. Cause everyone was like, Oh wow. Yeah. The whole thing. And everyone gave in their reports. And this one student just gave a picture of the teacher standing in the corner with the foot up on the stool. And that was the whole report. So here you go. Right. This is, this is how it works. So is it manipulation? You could argue that it's manipulation. If that's, if you're getting your husband to stand in the corner with his foot up on his stool, hundred percent, but more often than not, what you're, what you find is that people respond to each other because, because, marriage is kasher. Kasher is two people that are connected to each other. So if, if you're angry, it probably will affect your spouse, right? It probably will, right? If, if you get into a bad mood, it probably will affect your spouse. And as part of our Aveda, we try to bring each other up as much as possible. But if you think about it, I think it's the smartest thing that a wife could do or a husband can do is, is, is have the chachma, have the foresight. Rather than me fighting and then getting the person to like break and be like, wow, you're so right. Let me start going along this very often, they will go along this path with you by you bringing the element in and they'll appreciate you for it. They'll appreciate that you're not fighting them for it. it, it it's, it's natural. We do this with children all the time. You could argue that we manipulate our children. We don't manipulate our children. We're mechanic our children, right? You give a kid a lollipop because he, he does something or makes a bracha out loud or whatever it is. That's not manipulation. It's part of chanach. It's, it's like a treat or a reward. I don't view it as manipulation. I think that it's one of the greatest skills that we could bring into our relationships. You're using it for a good thing. 
using it for a good thing. What do we want in our marriage? Take take the mic so people hear. <laughs> yeah. It might be called manipul it might be called manipulation if you're have like less of your intentions or if you're doing yes. it to get something. I agree with that. Not 100%. The right thing. Yes, I agree with that. 100%. Right, but what you're saying is channeling. Like if a kid has a lot of energy, you tell them to run up and down the hallway. Exactly. It's not called and pick up all the toys. I agree 100%. Yes. I, I think that's a good, that's a good, um, litmus test. If whatever you're doing is good for the relationship, then it's channeling. If it's bad for the relationship, then it's manipulation. I think we could agree on that. Very good. Good way to quantify that. Yeah. I agree with that. Okay. Is there something on Zoom? Yeah. Okay. Fire away. What are practical ways to regulate your emotions when you're in a bad mood? It's a great question. What are practical ways to regulate your emotion when you're in a bad mood? So, there's a few things. Number one is I would say time, meaning don't react the second something happens. Number two is, you know, I would almost say that like, if you take a person and imagine them like a, like a keg, you know, like a big keg where there's like a whole bunch of stuff that are poured into it. There's a whole mixture of stuff that happens, right? I'll tell you a quick story that, that a girl once called me up. She was in a really, really, really bad mood. And she just like, she was in a rut. She couldn't get out of it every like she's getting to argue with her parents and her friends it just it was like an endless cycle so i asked her if there was something that she enjoyed doing tell me anything that you like she's like well when i used to exercise i'd get like a rush of like endorphins adrenaline that was like what worked for me i said there let's hang up the phone right now put on a pair of sneakers go outside of your house literally run two miles and call me back she was like right now i was like right it's like it's 11 o'clock at night i don't care nobody's gonna kidnap you take your phone with you go outside and just start running and maybe they will okay take your phone and be safe okay be safe and just start running okay and she she called back literally a half hour later she was like i'm a different person now like now i i like i broke through i, I found my my i found my seatbook i found my energy i found my life a lot of a lot of us sit and stew in the same thing so we don't ever break free from that rut so there's a million skills and tools to be able to like get a person out of their out of where they are, like holding them down. But I think that the key is that a person doesn't necessarily rely on the person if if they're not able to do that. Meaning it could be your husband or your wife is the one who's able to get you out of that rut. But all, more often than not, it's up to you. It's up to me to get myself out of this, out of this rut, out of this feeling. So I need to spend time. I need to go for a walk. I need to meditate. I need to dive in. I need to say to him, I, I, I have to, I need to eat. I didn't eat yet today. Whatever the case may be, whatever it is that's not, that that's not this when you sit there and you stir the same negativity over and over it, it becomes a problem you know the rishonim talk about the concept of do not hate your friend in 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 your heart i think it's the ramban who says that if a per what does it mean it means that when you keep something in which is negative and it stirs and stirs and stirs he says that it it goes from sinna which is hatred and then he starts listing all the layers that it goes. It, it festers and it grows to the point where you're able to almost kill somebody because you allowed that negativity to grow. Take your mind off whatever's bothering you. If you need a real solution, it's not going to happen anyways by sitting there and going over it again and again and again. Focus on something else. Talk to somebody else. Not about this. So let me let me like keep cooking, you know, like keep going over and recooking the same meat that's already burnt a hundred times. Disassociate. Find something that gives you a lot of seatbook, put some time in between and talk about it calmly. And you'll usually, you'll usually be able to get through this, you know, more often than not. Some people, I mean, the Mishnah talks about it. some people are able to like flip a switch and just be happy even when they're down. And some people it takes a very long time. If it takes you a very long time, 
fine. But if, if you don't even practice, you don't even try, so then how, you, how, how is it possible to, to pass this test? It's not possible. Another one? Uh, what if you feel like your husband is so chilled that it doesn't seem to make such a big difference if you're upbeat or not during your initial hello? Like, it seems like it does nothing when you add you I, I doubt that there's any married person in the world that is not affected when their spouse is, is, is really down. Meaning, flip it around for a second. Imagine her, her upbeat, chilled husband, okay, walks in the door and she's fuming and furious and really upset about something. It's, I mean, if the guy's human, it's almost always going to affect somebody. It does. Our, our, our spouses, unless you're totally disassociated from somebody, you're going to be affected by them. So does it mean that a person has to like open the door and be like, surprise, it's Tuesday, you're home? No. But the, the ability to like sort of get off to like a good start, I think is really important. I, I'll, I'll just say something, which I also think is just a, a, an important makshava. Most marriages, the, the, the strength of our relationship is not built on like any big moments. It's not built on Instagram moments. So meaning it's not that your husband bought you some $10,000 piece of jewelry or did some huge birthday bash for you or took you on some lavish vacation. That is not, if your marriage is strong, it's not because of that. So why is it strong? It's strong because it's two fabrics that are like slowly being woven together. Every stitch is like that interaction, that comment, that text, how you doing? I care for you. I'm thinking about you. I got this small thing for you. It's those moments that over like a hundred years makes these two fabrics become one fabric. Those are the stitches that happen. You could even weave it right into this pasuk here. Yeah, okay. So you're weaving those two fabrics into one. Those big moments are very nice. If those big moments are coming and taking over for, for, for like a lacking, somebody spent like, I just, I just spoke to somebody. He said, um, he said, Oh, like basically I neglected my, my family for like the next, the last three months. So now what I'm going to do. And he like laid out like this whole master plan. He's going to spend like $25,000. I was like, please don't. You're throwing your money out the window. You can't buy your family for $25,000. It's not going to happen. You have to go back to the drawing board and start stitching and stitching and stitching over the next 25 weeks. And then when you put it in, then your family will look back and they won't remember the fact that you neglected them for three months. It's the stitching. It's the everyday stitching that's going to make it. So if this person's husband's very chilled, amazing. Great. She's so lucky. But she should also stay chilled because it's it's an important mida that every house has simple as a kind. But don't, don't, I think that you know, before people have a lot of stresses in their life, they don't appreciate those those little interactions. But these little little interactions are literally, literally the foundations upon which homes are built. It's the daily grind, that daily interaction, the daily, we had a good day, we had a great day, another day, and another day, another day. That becomes the foundation of a couple's marriage. So great. If, if she has that, amazing. Yeah, one more? Okay. How often is it okay for me to reset your marriage? How often is it to, okay to reset the marriage? That's a powerful question. Um, as often as is needed, I would, I would probably, I would suggest that more often than not, I would, well, let me say it as follows, okay? Um, if somebody needs help, meaning if they're constantly needing to reset, then they need to figure out like a better, a better, yeah, a better mahalach here. Like, why is it that we keep getting onto this roller coaster together? They have to like figure that part out. But, more often than not, let me just say, I don't think that people need to reset their entire marriage. They oftentimes need to reset specific issues within the marriage. 
So I think that most couples, like if, if they stop and they think about the dynamics in their relationship, they're oftentimes able to pick out two or three things or two or three people or whatever it is that these are the dynamics, which cause us like the high stress thing. So when we go to parents or, you know, in-laws for Yantiv, it's, um, it's finances, it's, it's, it's the daily schedule of, you know, who does what. And if a couple stops for a minute and says, okay, like these are the specific issues that we need help with, or we're constantly resetting our marriage on this. So then either A, get help on it, or B, is figure out a different dynamic that you're able to figure this out. You're always fighting about money. It doesn't make any sense. You're always fighting about carpool. It doesn't make any sense. Not that it doesn't make sense. It does make sense. It makes sense because you haven't figured it out. Now figure out, a, put, put in like a new, um, there's a good word for this, like a new workflow within this specific area of your entity, of your marriage, and you'll see different results. If you're try- if the same things are going on over and over and over, then it's not going to work. There's so many couples that are arguing about um, money or gifts. I'll, I'll give you an ex- a small example, okay? If you're a woman, you'll appreciate this, and you can thank me later. Um, there's many women that complain that their husbands don't buy them jewelry, right? He doesn't buy me enough jewelry. Why not? Because they're always tight on money, or he doesn't think about it, or he doesn't know what to buy you. There's a million reasons why not. And a lot of women hold a resentment because my husband doesn't buy me jewelry and I expect him to whatever, Shabbos, Yantiv, Pesach, whatever. It doesn't happen, right? So if that's constantly, I'm giving you a small example, if that's constantly something that's going on. So come up with a different workflow that you put into your marriage. What does that workflow look like? You say to him, hey, can we put aside X amount of dollars every week or every month, something that is built into the budget into a separate bank account? Every few months, we'll have a certain amount of money. And then together, I will take you by your hand and we'll go to a store and we will buy me jewelry because that's important to me. How does that sound to you? You put a new work, your needs are now being met. Now, it would be much better if he came to that idea on his own. Wink, wink. Okay. So if he wants to, he should. But if he doesn't, then be smart and stop fighting about this. Put the workflow in. Just make this a part of your relationship. You will be very, very happy. And guess what? He will also. He will. You will, you will have taught your, your spouse a new skill. And there's a million examples of this, of taking something which is such a, a high emotional point. In, 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 when it comes to jewelry, like when I deal with couples that are talking, they're always like, no, he should show me that he loves me and that he's thinking about me and he cares about me and that I'm precious and just like a diamond, right? Go into all the reasons why, because you have an emotional, like an expectation that he's going to meet this emotional need. And then he's not. So you're frustrated and you can't say something because then if he gets it for you, it's worthless. So you go into this loop where you just get angry at him and you don't know to say nothing and get nothing or say something and then you don't even want to have it anyways. So you're sort of stuck if you stop and you say, take a deep breath, have a smart conversation and channel this into your relationship. You will get your jewelry and be very, very happy. And you'll have taught your husband a new skill. And when he gets it for you, you'll be like, wow, amazing. You're the greatest guy in the world. Like you thought to get me jewelry. Amazing. And we work this into the budget. Amazing. You channel it in. So there, there's so many examples of this, of sort of taking ideas that are not being met, emotions that are not being met, things that are not being met, and sort of like replacing your current workflow and putting something else in there. And you, you will see, you will see different results, right? Thomas Edison, yeah, right? Only a fool does the same thing twice and expects different results, right? Yeah, no? Okay. Who? I don't know. We right now it's Thomas Edison. <laughs> it's probably somebody else. Well, who? Albert Einstein. Oh, somebody, some really smart guy. Um, but but that's the idea. You put in a new workflow, you'll oftentimes we'll we'll see different results. All right. 
there's a bit, I just have to end up by saying one thing. There's a lot of people who emailed in a lot of questions. I didn't get to all the emails and stuff, but if people want their questions featured here, you can feel free to join the Zoom, which is always easier than emailing them in throughout the week. But you can feel free to email them. I'll try to answer as many as possible. Have a wonderful night. We'll see you in two weeks from now. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.